Somebody give God a shout of praise like he did it for you. Somebody give God a shout of praise like he did it. You know, I'm just be real. Sometimes it amazes me when you look out from this perspective. I'm just be honest. And somebody's up here singing. And this choir isn't perfect. These musicians ain't perfect. I'm not perfect. But I'll tell you what. When I think about where I used to be, and I think about where I should be, and I think about where I could be, Listen, you may not have that testimony. There may be a bunch of perfect people sitting on these pews. And if that's the case, then I'm glad about it. But this is a hospital full of imperfect people that remember he did it for me. That remember he did it. When I begin to think about how down and dirty I was. When I begin to think about the, the clubs that I used to wake up. When I used to wake up on Saturday morning with a headache from a hangover. When I used to wake up not knowing where I was. God did it for me, baby. I can't sit there and be quiet. I can't sit there and be quiet. I've got to give God a praise. Woo. So it's interesting from this perspective. When I think about me, I'm not saying anything about you. Because what God did for me, you can't tell. I have to tell it. What God did for you, or what God is doing for you, I can't tell it. You got to tell it. You got to testify. You got to stand up on your feet. And you got to testify. The choir can't do all the testifying up in here. First lady can't be the only one standing up and testifying about how God did it. I wish we had a couple people in here that recognized where they came from. I wasn't always perfect. I wasn't always put together. But I'm so thankful that God didn't leave me where I was. I'm so thankful that God didn't write me off like everybody else did. I'm so thankful that God so valued. Woo! Hallelujah! Man! Woo! Maybe we should just have a testimony service where we bring up people that have been down and out. Ex-drug addicts. Ex-drug dealers, ex-prostitutes, ex-game bangers. People that were on their deathbed. People that got in car accidents and shouldn't have lived. Maybe we should just bring some people up here and testify a little bit. Because I still feel like there's a few people that just don't get it, just don't recognize the goodness of our God. The goodness of our God. If it had not been for Jesus, you wouldn't be here today. If it had not been for God's grace and mercy, you wouldn't be here today. I'm not Pastor John though. I'm not Pastor Swaza. 
<laughs> Man. Mama Ellison, he did it. You shouldn't be here today. You shouldn't be. I'm so I'm not, I'm really not trying to pump people up. I just wonder if there's some people that have forgotten about what God has done for you. You shouldn't be here today. Brother John, you shouldn't be here. When I think of his goodness and all that he's done for me. When I think of how he made a way out of no way. When I think of how he picked me up when I was in the miry clay. When I think about how dirty I was, how nobody loved me. I should have been in the devil's hell, but I'm still here today. I've got to give him glory. I've got to give him praise. Woo! Hey. Somebody give God a praise. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. There's some families that should be completely broken up. You shouldn't be married today. You shouldn't have your kids today. You shouldn't be in your right mind. But think about the alternative. I'm here. I'm breathing. My legs work. My arms work. I've got a mind that's... God, it feels good in the house this morning. My God, it feels good in the house this morning. Woo! Hallelujah. We serve an excellent God. We serve a great God. We serve a merciful God. We serve a perfect God. A God that's never lost to battle. A God that doesn't know what it means to fail. A God that's, that has a perfect track record. Brother James Wang, don't you ever forget what God has done for you. Don't you ever forget that your God is still a healer. Don't you ever forget that your God is still a way maker. He's still a provider. He's still a miracle worker. I guess I'm just crazy enough to believe that if he did it for me, he can do it for you. I guess I'm just crazy enough to believe that if he can do it for Brother Leo, he can do it for Brother Quentin. Yeah. And I need to lose weight. Thankful to be in this house this morning. You can make your way back to your seats. Man, I'm so thankful for the presence of God in this place. We can stand in this house. We're going to go straight to the word of God.
just want to say thank you, Bishop, for this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. I wish you were here. I wish you were here. It's so much easier to preach when your man of God's here. So much easier. It's almost as if I can feel his spirit here. That brings me comfort. I uh, want to take a moment and say, That I'm, I'm thankful for the people of God. I love the people of God. We're just a bunch of messed up folk. I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God and part of the body of Christ. also want to take a moment and say I don't normally do this but I just want to say I'm very 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 thankful for my wife and yeah my life is so much better now that she's in it my house is clean my laundry's done there's actually food in the refrigerator I'm not as grumpy. I am extremely, extremely grateful for my wife. Babe, I love you. I love you. And I'm excited to do, continue to do life with you. <clears throat> uh, I felt this burden um, sometime last week. I can't remember. I was, God speaks to me in really, really weird ways as I'm sure he does a lot of people. I was listening to uh, an audio drama by Focus on the Family. Shout out to Focus on the Family. And this passage of scripture that we're going to read came up in the audio drama and the way that it was worded or, or maybe it was just it was just God. I think it was just God. But it was as if it was as if a bolt of lightning had struck me. And I was, I was in the middle of cutting grass and I had to put the weed eater down because I was, began to just fall and, and weep because of, of how powerful it was. The challenge is getting you to see what God gave me, to get you to see it the way God gave me. So I pray that that's what will happen today, that God will speak to us, he'll speak through me. And that lives will be changed because that's what I'm all about. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to just fill space and fill time. If, if, if that isn't the main goal, then, then we might as well just go home. You, you may have not just, you should have just not come at all if you weren't intending on being changed. If you had no intention of changing then it's not worth it you just wasted time so I pray that God will speak to us today I pray that he'll open our ears give us understanding the book of Luke chapter number 7 
four verses of scripture, chapter, verse 36 through 39. Luke chapter 7, verse 36, reads like this. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, everybody say, was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. For she is a sinner. Everyone say, for she is a sinner. <clears throat> very, very say probably pretty well known passage of scripture if you've been in church for any amount of time um, it's, it, I'm a very simple preacher so if this is too simple for you then I apologize but um, just I feel like God placed this burden on me for some people here so with the help of the Holy Ghost, we're going we're gonna to dive into this a little bit. Um, the title of my message is simply A Dirty Offering. A Dirty Offering. So if you wouldn't mind, let's take a few moments. Let's set our Bibles down and lift our hands to heaven. Lord, we need you in this place. Lord, we need your anointing. We need your glory. We need your power. God, have your way in this house. Move like never before. God, anoint our ears, anoint our minds to receive and do your word. Let it fall on good soil, that it might take root, Jesus. God, I pray that you would, that you would speak through this servant today. These lips of clay, anoint them, anoint my mind to speak your word. God, help me to give what you gave to me, to your people today. I will be careful to give you all the praise, glory, and honor, and everyone said in Jesus' name. Man, you may be seated. <clears throat> Without much, much research, one could almost assume that this version of accounts that is told by Luke is very similar, if not the same account, as in the books of Matthew, Mark, and John. However, after close inspection, we can determine that it is likely that these are two different accounts. I'm thankful for my family. For deliberating with me last night. I was up in the air about if this was even the same account. It hit me out of nowhere. For example, Luke's account doesn't give us the name of the woman kneeling at Jesus' feet. All we know is that she's a sinful woman. Her reputation precedes her, in fact. It seems as if the entire city knows that she's a sinful woman. It's actually implied in a few other transliterations that she's a prostitute. And the other versions, Matthew, Mark, and John, we understand that this 
woman that comes into the room, breaks open the alabaster box of ointment over Jesus is actually Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. With a few other variables, we, we can kind of determine that these are two different occasions. And so if you wouldn't mind, I would like to take you on a bit of a mental journey. It's going to be a little different this morning, but i got to follow the Holy Ghost, so bear with me. <clears throat> the first scripture in Luke chapter number 7, verse 36 says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. No doubt there was intention behind this request. Having Jesus come into your house was one of the highest honors. As a matter of fact, they would actually invite rabbis to come into their houses and do just that, to teach. Rabbi is another word for teacher. They would come into their houses and they would teach and it was common practice that if there was a rabbi at someone's house, everyone was invited. It didn't matter who you were, where you were from, you were invited to stop by and to listen to the rabbi or to the teacher as he taught out of the Old Testament. However, Jesus wasn't just any rabbi. He wasn't just another teacher that was passing through the town. Too many people wanted to label him that way and I would venture to say too many people today want to label him as just that. As just a really good teacher, but you must understand that he was not just a good teacher. He was the teacher. He was not just a rabbi. He was the rabbi. But of course, this would not just be another encounter with Jesus. Encounters with him are actually very rarely normal. As a matter of fact, it would be considered normal that every single one of them is life-changing or abnormal. Think about that for a little bit. This encounter was no different. As it does, word spread that Jesus of Nazareth had made his way to the little town of Galilee. I can picture in my mind's eye as the woman probably preparing for yet another night of the usual. Another night of going out on the town and getting what she can get. Making a little bit of money just to scrape by. She, she catches wind that there's another rabbi in town. She catches wind that there's another teacher. Again, this isn't uncommon. This is, a, this is a very common practice. Rabbis are all throughout. She finds out that it's, it's Simon's house. Oh, Simon's a Pharisee. So that kind of makes sense. Simon's always trying to get a rabbi at his house to, you know, kind of show how cool he is and how connected he is. Anybody know people like that? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have lunch all the time. No, you don't. Go ahead and sit down somewhere. He was always inviting important people over to his house. However, news quickly began to circulate that this wasn't just another teacher. This wasn't just another one of, Simon, of Simon's social gatherings. This was Jesus. This was the man that it was noised abroad. He was healing people. He was setting people free. He was delivering people. He was opening blinded eyes and unstopping deaf ears. He was raising people from the dead. This was, this was more than just a teacher. And so I can imagine that this house is a little more packed than usual. I remember last year at Impact, we uh, invited people to my parents' house. And my parents have a decent-sized house. It's not huge. It's not small. The floor, the floor plan is really cool. Um, and there ended up being like 150 people there. 
I think we invited like 20. You know how that goes. Where are y'all going? Oh, we're going to the sausage house. You have the address? Yeah, yeah, I got it right here. Who are these people? <laughs> My parents came up to me at some point and was like, hey, this is cool and everything, but just who in the world are all these people? And I was like, I have no idea, honestly. I'm, I, I've only, I only know a few of them. So I can imagine this is the feel. This is the feel of the, of the, of the, the, of the scene, the scenario. Simon is there, and he's, he's invited a few people over. The rabbi's there, but word quickly spreads, and no, no, I got, I got to get over there. But as it was custom, and as my parents were thankfully okay with it, anybody and everybody was allowed, even though there wasn't enough parking. Everybody was allowed, and so I can imagine that they, as people pulling up to the house, they're thinking, there's no way I'm going to get in there. There's no way. And so they're just, I can imagine them all just getting close as they can to the doors and the four walls. And they're listening intently and as much as they can to hear what Jesus has to say. Because this is more than just a man. This is more than just a teacher. And this encounter is not an everyday encounter. Galilee was a very, very small town. So the fact that Jesus was there was extremely, was extremely heavy. The impetus was extremely heavy. This was an opportunity for her, to, for her life to change. I'm going a little bit slow this morning, but if you'll follow me, we'll go somewhere today. This was an opportunity for her life to be forever changed. But as sin would have it, and all too often, what begins to happen is condemnation. And I'm kind of reading between the lines, but I can imagine... She's there in her room as she's getting ready and she's looking at herself maybe in the reflecting glass and she's thinking, there's no way I could, I could approach Jesus. There's, there's, they wouldn't let me into that house. Now, I've, everybody knows who I am. Everybody knows what I do, what I've done. There's no way that, that, that I'd be allowed. I'm not of the right social standing. I can see after much internal deliberation, she makes it up in her, in her mind that, this may be the only opportunity that I ever have to see Jesus face to face. This may be the only opportunity that I ever have to have an encounter with the Messiah, with, with the rabbi, the teacher. And so she goes into her little closet and I can see she's rummaging through and she pulls out a little box. A little alabaster box and it's got ointment in it. Precious ointment. Some transliterations call it perfume. And it was a very, very expensive perfume. I can see in her mind's eye that she has no idea what she's going to do with it, but she just feels like it's right. And so she tucks it underneath her arm, and, and she's, she's carefully clutching it close, and she says, you know what, this is, I'm just going to go, and we'll see what happens. And I can see she makes her way out the door, and she, she's kind of ducking and, and weaving behind all the different houses and down the alleyways and the streets. And she makes her way over to Simon's house. And it's not very, very hard to miss because there's throngs of people there. And they can hear someone talking from the inside. But it's kind of inaudible. So she makes her way a little bit closer. And, and she sees the door. The door is open. There are people standing around it. And she thinks, it, it, should I go along with this? And the thoughts come back to her that those people in there are just too put together. Those people are... 
are a little bit better of, of, of class than I am. And there's, there's no way that I can go through those doors and, 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 and even talk to Jesus, much less worship him. They'll drag me out as soon as I go there. They can see as she walks up to the door and she's thinking to herself, you know what, it's now or never. This is my only opportunity for change. I'm sick and tired of living the way that I've been living. I'm sick and tired of just, of just holding the cards that life dealt me and, just, and, and living the way that, that things have always been. There's never going to be any change and so I guess I might as well just live this way. But this was her one opportunity. This was the one time that Jesus was going to pass through Galilee and she figured if this is the last time that I might as well make the most of it. So I can see as she walks up to the door and, and there's people looking at her from the outside and they're thinking, what is she doing here? Takes a deep breath and she kicks open the door. And as she's standing in the doorway, you can imagine all eyes immediately fixate on her. And realization begins to dawn one by one as the person silhouetted in the doorframe, standing there, scantily dressed, hair all done up with makeup on probably. One by one, realization starts to set in on all the people there. And they start to say, is that, is that who I think it is? Is that that woman? Is that, is that her? And as people do, I can imagine people start to talk one to another and, and kind of whisper, like, what is she doing here? She doesn't belong here. What are we going to do? we got to get her out of here. And in that split second of realization, I can see Simon, the head of the house, the guy that throws the best parties, the guy that, that's the, the religious leader in the area, and he says, and he's the one that has Jesus over. He's well connected, and he's got all the friends and the, and the prestige and the esteem. And I can see him realizing who it is, and he's thinking, man, I've got to get her out of here. She's going to ruin this. She's going to ruin my reputation. People are going to know that I had a, a wicked woman in my house. People are going to know I had a prostitute in my house, and, and they're going to talk. The city's going to talk. The town's going to talk. Word's going to spread. My reputation's going to be ruined. Jesus is never going to come back. Shocked and he's embarrassed to see this woman standing in the doorway. He stands to his feet and I can see him about to yell and about to tell two of the guys that are maybe standing by the door to get this woman out of here. But in that split second, she made up in her mind. She locked eyes on Jesus and she ran over to him. She runs behind him and she falls to the ground. And as, she, as she's running, maybe she trips over her, over her legs and the box falls out of her hand and onto the ground. And, and she's so close to Jesus, she can feel peace emanating from him much like the woman with the issue of blood as she gets closer and closer to Jesus all she has to do is touch the hem and as soon as she touches it she can feel virtue flowing and her body was immediately healed this woman gets as close to Jesus as she dares she gets behind him because she's not worthy to stand in front of him She's not worthy to even bow in front of his feet. So she goes behind him and she bows, bows at his feet. And she begins to weep as she feels the love of God emanating from this man. As she feels the peace that passes all understanding. As she feels joy. As she feels relief. She feels like all of these burdens are being lifted off of her. And she begins to cry. And she lets the tears fall down onto his feet. And, and she begins to let them just kind of wipe them away. And then she takes the... The, the, the stick out of her hair and she lets it fall to the side as she grabs her hair and she begins to wipe up his feet. But as soon as she wipes it up, more tears are being replaced. 
And it's as if a constant stream of, of tears and her wiping up his feet is happening. And she can't get a hold of herself because she's overcome with emotion. She's overcome with joy, with peace. She can't explain it. Has anybody ever been there where you just come into a service and Jesus is there and you, you just can't explain it. But all you feel is peace. All you feel is love. All you feel is joy. And it's, it's as if you can't get enough and you just stand there for hours. And you can just stand in this presence and you never want to leave. That's what this, I can imagine this woman feeling. At this point, she's wiped up the tears. She's got her hair in her hands. And she's wiping up the tears. And she remembers, I brought that oil. I brought that ointment. And she looks up and it's broken into pieces. And so she grabs a little bit here and a little bit there. And she begins to just let it fall over Jesus' feet. She begins to anoint his feet. This was an ointment that was just in a, in, a, in, a, in a value form. It wasn't a box of ointment you can get at Sam's Club or, or Costco. It wasn't just something you could pick, off, off, pick up off the shelf at, at Ross or, or, or Target or wherever. This was ointment that she saved up a long time for. This was ointment. This was perfume that, that, she, that she took her hard-earned money and she saved up and she put it away. And she said, one day I'll have really, really good use for this. This was special ointment. This was special oil. It was special oil bought with dirty money. Her lifestyle is what got her to that point. Selling her body day in and day out. Collecting money just to get by. Just to kind of make it through life. She'd stay... Put some over here, maybe for the kids, maybe for retirement, maybe for, for the future, for college. And she's saving up as much as she can. And she takes the moment and she says, you know what, I'm going to purchase this because you just never know. Never know what's going to happen one day. And she's got this ointment purchased with dirty money, purchased with, with sinful, sinful money. It's overshadowed by the fact that it was purchased through less than desirable means. Can I just tell somebody here today that I don't care exactly how you got here. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your present is. I don't care what you're doing outside of these four walls. Whatever you've got to do to get to Jesus and whatever offering you've got to bring to him, you need to just bring it to him and lay it at his feet. The problem that ends up happening is, is we put people in church on a pedestal. Too many people look at TBN and look at, the, at television and all these guys that got money and then looks like nothing's going on. Their Instagram is perfect. Their YouTube channel is perfect. They got 3,000 people every service and the money's great. Everybody's doing great. And we put people on a pedestal. And we come into your local church and you think that everybody here must be the same way. Everybody's got a Cadillac. Everybody's got a three-story home. Everybody's got everything all together. But can I tell you, we're all broken people here today. We're all broken people here today, limping along in life, just trying to make it to heaven and just trying to bring a few people with us. It doesn't matter how you come to God. As long as you come to God and you kneel at his feet in submission. As long as you kneel at his feet and say, all right, God, here's everything I've got. I know it's dirty money. I know it's, I know it's a dirty offering, but God, this is what I've got. 
I know it may not be worth much to you and, and maybe not to the kingdom of God. And, and there may be other people in that building that, that have a little more and they, they may have things together. They may have their dad or they may have their mom or they may be still in a marriage and they may have their kids. But God, this is all I've got. cost of the offering was so much greater than anybody could imagine. It was so much more valuable than anybody could even imagine. And I can see as Jesus is letting this happen, not being caught by surprise at all, he's letting this happen. And I can almost see him looking out into the future as he can see himself dragging his carcass, dragging his body into a garden and he's praying let this cup pass from me and as she begins to wipe up his feet I can see him he's fixated on something in the future and he can see a bloody bruised body a dirty body an ugly body a depiction of sin he can see himself who, who knew no sin was tempted in all like in all points as we were but without sin. He can see himself, he who knew no sin becoming sin. He can see himself with stripes on his back and, and with tears running down his face, a crown of thorns on his head. He's got slap marks across his cheeks, spits rolling down his face. He's dirty. He's got a cross on his back and he's walking up a hill. He's, I can see him seeing himself. Offering up a dirty offering. A sinful offering. Don't get me wrong, Jesus was perfect. But he became sin so that he might destroy sin through his body. And so there's a bit of a connection there. And while all this is going down, I can imagine she's thinking, okay, we're coming up to the point where I'm going to be dragged out. Maybe the tears have subsided a little bit. She's kind of regaining her composure. She realizes all of a sudden, all eyes are on her. The condemnation begins to, to, to rear its head again. What am I doing here? I don't belong here. I don't belong with these people. I've got to get out of here somehow. Simon over in the corner, the Pharisee, the guy that's got it all together, doesn't say it out loud. He's thinking to himself, man, if Jesus only knew who this woman was, if Jesus only knew what she was, what she did, then he would have sent her away. Doubt begins to creep into his mind. Maybe this really isn't the Messiah. Because if he knew, he would have sent this woman away. But don't you see, Simon? But that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Don't you see, Simon, that this is the exact person that Jesus came for? This is exactly what he came to do. Was to reach the prostitutes. Was to reach the drug dealers. Can I say that if we don't have a few people coming in here that are out of sorts, that got a checkered past, then what are we doing? This has no longer become a hospital. This has become, this has become a, a social gathering. It's become another one of Simon's events. 
It's become another, it's become another local gathering that all of the elitists of the town come to and all the, the people that got the money and the Ferraris and the, and the house and the life put together. That's all this ever becomes. If we're not here to do exactly what Jesus did, and that is to seek and save that which was lost. Let's stand in this house. I can see Simon as he's overcome with anger. This woman has just disgraced his home. She's brought shame upon his house. She's a dirty woman bringing a dirty offering. And all the while, Jesus is looking at him and saying, Simon, why didn't you do this to me? When I walked in the door, you didn't, you didn't anoint my head with oil. You didn't kiss me. This woman hasn't stopped kissing me. All Simon can think about is reputation. All Simon can think about is himself. Can I just talk to some Simons today? May we never get to a place. May we never get to a place where we look down on the offerings of other people. May we never get to a place where, where a sinner can't walk through the back door without all eyes on him and, and looking him up and down and trying to figure out their past and trying to analyze and fix him and see if they can fit in or if they can belong. May we never get to a place where we, we're the judge, where we're the person that feels like we need to expose them. Simon was more interested in tea being spilled than he was the woman actually being saved. He was more interested in her laundry being aired out. He said if, she, if, if Jesus knew who she was, he would have sent her on her way. He would have told everybody in here, this woman's a sinner. He would have exposed her and said, she doesn't belong here. Simon, don't you realize that's who I came for? All of this, everything we do in this house, it's, that's who it's for. You may have brought a dirty offering into this house this morning. You may have come into this place dragging your feet feeling like you don't belong feeling out of place feeling like all eyes are on you because I'm not quite I don't quite look the same way or I don't, I don't know all the songs or I don't even know what he's preaching but can I tell you today that that doesn't matter to God That doesn't matter to God in the grand scheme of eternity. Throughout the portals of time, no one's going to look back and say, that person was such and such. That's not what we need to be fixated on today. If you've come in this house and all you've got 
is a dirty offering. All you've got is a life that's stained. All you've got is a life that's bruised. That's been dragged through the mud. A life that, that was treated, the, treated in a way that it shouldn't have been treated. Taken advantage of. A life that, that's full of sin. A life that's, that's full of rejection. If that's all you brought today, that's all you need. That's all Jesus needs. The, the offering doesn't have to be pretty. The offering doesn't have to be amazing. As long as it's an offering, as long as you're coming to God and saying, you know what? This is what I've got. This is what I've got. I'm not going to talk about people today, but if you went throughout this house and you talked to people that are here today, they'll tell you when they first came to church, they weren't dressed the best. They weren't living the best lifestyle. They didn't have all their ducks in a row. You couldn't tell them from a hole in the ground whether or not they were saved or not. There's some broken people in here that gave some dirty offerings. Come on, let's lift our hands in this house this morning. Come on, let's lift our hands in this house. Simon, instead of judging, Simon, instead of judging, you ought to be on your feet right next to the woman. You ought to be on your feet right next to the woman offering up a sacrifice of praise. You ought to be on your feet right next to the sinner and say, God, come on, we'll make it together. Come on, we'll get there together. This is what it's all about. I'm going to make an official call in this place. If you want to leave here changed, if you really want to leave here changed, different than the way that you came in, these altars are open and I'm wanting, I want to invite you to come. We're not going to make a big deal out of it. We're not going to make a spectacle of it. But this altar right here is where the change happens. Falling on your feet right here at this altar with your broken offering, with your sacrifice of praise and worship, this is where the change can truly happen. This is where it can truly happen. I wonder if there's anybody in here that feels that way. Come on, this offering is, or th this altar is open, somebody. Why don't you make your way down? Strength is perfect in Come on, somebody, why don't you make your way down to this front? Come on, you may not be as bad as the prostitute. You may not be as bad. You may not be as bad as the drug dealer, as the, as the sinner, but you still need Jesus today too. You still need Jesus today just as much as that woman needed him 2,000 years ago. And today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that everything can change. Today is the day that everything can change in your life. Lord, I am broken. My life is in pieces, but your strength is perfect in all. Come on, somebody, why don't
don't you sing that today? Lord, my life is broken. Lord, my life is in pieces. God, I'm not worth much. I don't have much value. But what I do have, God, I'm leaving it at your feet. God, what I do have, I'm leaving it in your presence. God, I want to be changed. I want to be transformed today. I don't want to leave here the same way that I came in. God, would you work away? Work it in my life. Jesus do the rest. Let Jesus do the rest. 